This is Mercy Harper, writer for research services at APQC. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to APQC podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, I'm here with Ashley White, Executive Director of Human Resources at APQC, to talk about the negative perceptions of HR and what might be behind them. Welcome to the podcast, Ashley. Good morning, Marcy. How are you? I'm doing well. So before we jump in, I just want to let our listeners know that we at APQC would really like to hear what you think about your HR department. Please click the link in the description for this episode to take a 10-minute, 100% anonymous survey. So now let's get into it, Ashley. The idea that HR is mean or unfair or out to get you is something that I think a lot of us pick up pretty early on in our careers. For me, and I think this is true for a lot of people, it really wasn't from any direct personal experiences with HR, but rather something that was kind of in the ether that you pick up from the stories that people tell and the way that they tell them. So Ashley, what do you think is behind all of those bad vibes? Why do some people resent HR? Yeah, so that's a really good question, Marcy. And I think in um, 26 years of being an HR professional, um, I've heard that more than one time. So it's not shocking that that unfortunately is floating out there in the world. But in my opinion, the root of it is a misunderstanding of what HR really does. Um, I think a lot of our... um, co-workers sit back and think HR is there to process payroll and plan the holiday party. And the role itself is so much deeper than that. Um, what we're responsible for day in and day out is it's just bigger. And I think without the understanding of what our roles are, it's easy to say, you know, they've got this limited scope, little bitty sandbox that they operate in. And, uh, if the interaction that they have with us is positive at the holiday party or positive that they're getting paid uh, on a regular basis and their payroll is accurate, uh, everybody loves HR. As soon as you hear one story of someone finding themselves in a counseling session or you see an employee leave your office and you think, surely there's, you know, they didn't do anything wrong that had to be on HR, um, you know, without the backstory that goes along with it, uh, people naturally form opinions. And, and now all of a sudden, all of the good that HR did uh, has has been lost. That message is lost. And now we're that bad guy sitting over in the corner just waiting to make your life miserable. So I think there's just a lot of misunderstanding uh, about about what we do. We are much deeper than just payroll and parties. Absolutely. So can you kind of make this a little real for our listeners with a, a story or an example of the kind of tough scenarios that HR has to negotiate? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of them. Um, and again, <laughs> the challenge with Uh, much of what we do in HR is that a lot of it falls under that confidential umbrella. So I can't send out a note that says, hey, guys, look what I just faced today. Um, You know, love Mm. your HR girl or guy because, you know, we have tough days too. You can't publish that kind of information to garner sympathy um, or respect or anything additional. But there is nothing bigger or worse than having to counsel an employee. Even if they deserve uh, that session, if it's you know something that they have brought on themselves uh, due to their own bad behavior, poor performance, those sessions just stink. There is no way to make them better than stinky. <laughs> um, and I experienced many of them over the years. Uh, I have several of them that stick out in my mind um, because they um, rose to the level of 
bordering violence uh, in a room. And that's really not my nature. I'm a, a soft hearted person generally. So to have somebody screaming at me is um, something I just wasn't really prepared for. But this particular example that sticks out for me happened about um, 20 years ago, probably at this point. And it was a young man who was in our sales department at the time I worked for an organization that had a trading floor, a commodities trading floor. And this young man, I'd hired him straight out of college. He was eager, ready to go, believed he was a salesman to the core. I agreed. That's why I recruited him. Uh, hopped up on the trading floor, ready to go. He had the misfortune of walking by a ringing phone uh, one day when one of our senior people wasn't there. Rather than letting the phone call go, he decided I'm going to I'm going to answer it, even though it's not my phone call. I'm going to answer it. And uh, as luck would have it, he ended up closing a deal uh, for for this particular senior salesperson. Um, that did not go over well uh, because that meant that this young man was going to take the commission on a rather large deal that did not originally belong to him. Um, so politics uh, jumped in and I had to bring this young man into a, a conference room and say, listen, you know, I applaud you for your effort. However, you violated every rule on the trading floor. You answered somebody else's phone. Uh, you perpetuated the conversation longer than you should have. You uh, basically represented yourself as an assistant to this senior salesperson of which you were not. Um, and you took credit for something you shouldn't have taken credit for. So not only am I going to not pay you for it, I'm going to terminate your employment over the deal. And he completely lost his marbles, um, completely. So this young 22, 23-year-old um eager beaver now found himself in a position where he was not being congratulated for his effort and his willingness to, to jump in. He was being fired uh, for making the wrong choice. And um, he very quickly showed me the depth and breadth of his foul language vocabulary um, <laughs> and let me know that I would regret the decision I'd made to fire him. Uh, now, keep in mind, it wasn't solely my decision, uh, which is often the time, oftentimes what HR faces. We are the mouthpiece of a message. We are not necessarily always the decision maker. So we get a lot of a lot of grief there. But um, he let me know that I would regret what I was doing uh, to watch myself when I walked outside later uh, to be expecting issues uh, when I exited the building, uh, which, of course, will scare anybody. Uh, and at that point in time, I was, you know, not as many years into my career as I am now, uh, so I was a little softer. <laughs> but uh, thankfully, our security team was close at hand. Uh, I was able to kind of give them a wave through glass windows. They could see that I was having some issues. You could certainly hear him uh, around the building because he was not quiet at all in the message he was delivering to me. Um, they helped me to escort him out of the building. Uh, we did all of the security things we could do to try and shore things up. I was escorted out of the building for the next two weeks just to be sure that, you know, if this gentleman decided to come back and um, make good on any of his threats that I was in a protected situation. But, um, you know, it was pretty scary uh, to have to deliver that kind of message, a meeting that you didn't ask for, a situation you couldn't have planned for, um, and you just have to go with, go with your gut while you're in there, you know, do the best you can do. So it really did turn into a survival kind of meeting. Um, and HR people, classically trained HR people, um, are not going to be taught that in school. Um, mm -hmm. Even those that have been in practice for a long time, like I was, you, you don't expect those kinds of meetings to go that far to the left. Um, and you just have to kind of go with it. So nobody's talking about those things uh, when you're, you're thinking HR just plans parties and does payroll. Uh, we are faced with real situations where you have real emotion. Uh, it does escalate. 
it can get dangerous um, and people are unpredictable. That is a, a really, I think, a story that a lot of people need to hear. We don't really think about um, the the kind of danger, you know, physical and emotional that, that HR people get. Um, you know, as you said, you, you're kind of, it's, you're positioned as the, the face of the organization and all the, the, the harm that is perceived uh, to be done to them. So it's really, it's, it's kind of not fair and it sounds really intense and uh, kind of a sub question for you, Ashley, you talked about not really being taught how to, to navigate this kind of scenario in mm -hmm. school. And honestly, uh, how could you, it's, it's <laughs> so unique, but um, you know, I was mentioning earlier, um, I think that a lot of employees, non-HR employees kind of um, pick up on the, you know, oh, HR bad guy, you know, um, thing pretty early. When did you pick up on the idea that you might be positioned as a bad guy? Did you get that early. kind of early? Early. Yes. Yeah, really, really early on. Um, my very first role in HR, um, I spent a couple of years in recruiting, but my first role where I really kind of was digging into that HR generalist role, which is uh, exposure to benefits and to workers' comp and to hiring and firing and counseling, all those things, the depth and breadth of HR. My first exposure to that was about three years into my career. Um, and I realized very quickly, I just went from hero to zero in a nanosecond. Mm. Um, and that is really the nature of HR. You know, it's it's all great until it's not. And you usually don't have a whole lot of warning when it, when it shifts like that. So, um, I learned it early on and I certainly, I, I have a degree in accounting. I mean, I didn't come out of an HR program coming out of college. So even if I had, I don't think it would have <laughs> necessarily mattered, honestly. <laughs> I think you need training like from the police academy or something sometimes <laughs> to be in HR. But, um, you know, coming into the career that I that I decided I loved and still love to this day, I wouldn't change it for anything in the world. I mean, I, I would never do anything different, even knowing what I know. Um, you, you will learn early on that, um, again, people are unpredictable and you are expected to be level-headed at all times when emotions are up, when they're down, when they're happy, when they're crying, when they're yelling, when they're confused, uh, when they're lying to you. I mean, you have to stay level-headed the entire time. And um, I tend to be a more emotional person. I feel a lot. Um, I had to learn very quickly that I had to check my own emotions at the door. I had to control my own body language because I am going to cause that situation to to get worse or get better by the way I respond to it. Mm -hmm. um, and I have to just you know sit back and really be prepared for anything that comes my way and and not exacerbate a situation by my response to it. You know I've got to be the level head, um, and I'm not always good at that. Um, I'll be honest, I'm not always good at that. But I have to save it all until I walk out of that room and the situation is resolved and however it's going to be resolved um, because that's my job. My job is to make sure I am that person for the organization and that I continually strike that very delicate balance between the employee's best interest and in advocating for them and making sure that I protect the company that I'm here to serve as well, making sure their interests are protected. I don't want to get sued. I don't want an employee to have a bad employee experience, but sometimes, oftentimes, those things are in conflict with each other, mm. and it's figuring out how to balance those things together. So it's not as easy a gig as it looks like from the outside. 
Absolutely. And that's some really good advice for our HR folks out there. Um, I'm wondering if there's any more advice you'd like to give to our HR professionals, maybe particularly to those that are feeling like they're having a tough time and everybody seems to think they're the bad guy out to get them. Is there yeah. any way to kind of get back from that sentiment? I Yes, I think there is. And I think one, I would say you're in good company. I think we're all feeling that way, myself included. Um, this is a crazy time to be living in our world, regardless of the role that you're in. This is a crazy time. Um, and so much of what we're facing as HR professionals is uncharted waters. So, um, you know, the pandemic. Had someone told me that I would be responsible for figuring out protocols around a pandemic and maintaining lists of who's vaccinated and who's not, who's been sick and who's been out 10 days and who had a negative test. No one could have prepared me for that. Um, and the amount of compassion it takes to navigate through something like this. People are scared of what they're facing. I'm scared of it in my own household. I'm scared of it for my employees and their households. Um, you know, that I understand. I understand where they're coming from. I'm living it. So I would say, you know, go back to what called you to this career in the first place. What drove you to the decision to be in HR? Did you land in it by accident? Okay. But do you love it? If you do, then remember why you loved it in the first place. Remember that human resources is the title of your role. And that is exactly what we are supposed to be, a resource to the humans and the organizations where we work. And I take that very, very seriously. I, I do see myself as someone that needs to advocate for employees all the time. Doesn't mean I'm always going to agree with them, but it means that's my job. My job is to, to put them at the very top of my priority list. And then, like I said, strike that delicate balance between their interests and the organizations. Um, I would tell my HR uh, professionals that are in the same boat that I'm in, you know, that, are, that we're facing the same scary stuff, hang in there. Um, we are going to learn an enormous amount from figuring out how to navigate these waters. It will make us better HR people on the other side. 10 years from now, you can be on a podcast talking about what you learned during the pandemic of 2021. Um, it will make you better for the next generation of people coming behind you. And, and that's what we should be doing. We should be imparting that knowledge to the next people uh, that want to take up this career. There will always be a need for somebody in this role. So learn from all of these experiences, have heart that we will get through it um, and just hang in there. I mean, the answers aren't already predetermined for us. So, you know, it's up to us as professionals to help guide each other. Uh, and, and create the solutions that are going to be long lasting and, and then be able to pass that on to the next group of people. Absolutely. And uh, for, actually for my next question, I kind of want to answer it myself because okay. you, you've, uh, <laughs> something you said kind of sparked um, uh, an idea for me. I was going to ask you, and I still will, um, you know, what you would say to the employees that have a negative outlook on HR. And what I would say to them is, that there are a lot of things left to navigate and figure out. There's this idea that HR is just the rule police. Mm -hmm. There's all these rules that are written down and like maybe we follow them, maybe we don't, but HR will catch you. And that's not really all of it. There's a lot of stuff like the pandemic where the rules are not going to be provided to you and handed out you know, directly to HR to enforce. HR needs to play a big role in figuring out how are we going to turn kind of unclear, always changing guidance into 
things that our employees can can do and follow. So that's what I would say to to employees that have like a little bit of a negative feeling about HR. What would you say, Ashley, to those employees that have a negative look out look outlook on HR, whether that's about their company's HR team or just like in general based on what they've heard? I, I would say something very similar. I would say come to us with grace and mercy. You want us to give it to you. I would say give it to us. Um, you know, we're employees too. We're human beings too. Um, and you're right. Uh, in our world now, not just the pandemic, you can uh, look at other topics that are very important uh, in our world and that are key in HR discussions, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, all of these various things that are that have always been important, but now they are you know, even more important, they've got spotlights on them, uh, figuring out how to navigate all of these uncharted waters um, is hard. And for employees to expect us to just wake up in the morning and have all of the answers is unrealistic. Um, you know, we are looking at conflicting information coming from federal authorities and state authorities and local authorities and, um, you know, viewpoints from all over the place and, and trying to mush all that stuff together into something that we can live with, that we can support, um, that I can testify against if I find myself in a situation where I have to. I mean, there's just so much to consider when we roll out policy. It's not just, well, this is a pretty color. I like this. Let me just <laughs> put that out there for the world. It has to be something that's sustainable, something that I can get behind, something that I would want applied to me. I don't write any policy if it's a policy I can't live with myself. Mm. Um because again, I am an employee. I am a product of this company. So um, I would say to those out there that are looking at, at their HR departments and saying, you know, they're, they're just in it for themselves or they've got an easy job or, you know, they're just copying and pasting what they found on the on this website or the SHRM site. You know, they're just dumping policy back out there because SHRM said it looks good. Um, they're not. That That's not what HR departments are doing. If you're working for one that does, then maybe you're not where you should be. But um, most HR departments, everyone that I've ever encountered, that's not how HR professionals approach it. We really do put a lot of thought and time into what makes most sense for our organizations and, and what makes most sense for our people. Um, and again, just remember, we are one of you. We are an employee just like you are. We, we get paid just like you do. We get benefits adjustments just like you do. We have the same PTO schedule you have. <laughs> we were, we're just like you. Um, our role is, is just one that um, unfortunately is cloaked in a lot of confidentiality. We can't be as open about it. We can't pull back the curtain and let you see all that transpires at our desk. Um, we do that to protect you, um, not to keep you in the dark. Um, and that comes with, unfortunately, a label a lot of times that we're the bad guys sitting over there just trying to make trouble. And, and really what we're trying to do is create the best employee experience we can create for every single employee, every single time, whether they're short term or a lifer, we want that experience to be fantastic. Um, and that's what I spend my days doing is figuring out how to make sure APQC is the place that somebody wants to come and make a career and, and stay forever. Absolutely. Um, not an easy task, I'm sure, uh, a, a endless task, um, but I, one that is uh, definitely worth doing. Um, thank you so much for coming on the pod today, Ashley. You're welcome. I, I could talk about HR for <laughs> days and days in case you can't tell. I love it. And I, it's, it's my life's work and will continue to be. 
Awesome. So before we go, I just wanted to remind our listeners to please take the survey linked in the episode description. It's fast, it's fun, and it's a great way to rant or rave about your company's HR team. And uh, again, it's 100% anonymous. Thank you all for listening and have a great rest of your day.